All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sam's DFS Office Hours. It is Thursday, October 20th of 2022. Got a two-game NBA slate and a uh, NFL showdown. So a little bit of a couple sports going on tonight. Hope you're getting in on the action. For those of you who are new here, this is a show where we go over questions that come in in our Discord about how to use the Saber Sam app. DFS tips and strategy, any and all questions. If you have questions ahead of time, you should get those in the office hours channel in our Discord. If you're not part of our Discord, there's a link in the description below. And if you are just finding this stream for the first time, welcome. You can put questions in the live YouTube chat and we will get to those as well. And with that being said, you know, we're just going to kick it right off with a question here from in it to bink it and in it to bink it is asking about golf and the question is if i remove ownership fade on golf what will saber score measure in my lineups okay this is a really good question so you know first thing i want to do is we're going to come over here to golf and we're going to build some lineups let's say for you know the round two pga so let's just get a couple lineups going here. We're going to talk about Saber score and we're going to talk about how, what it is looking at for golf specifically. Cause I think this is like a really good question. And, and, you know, reading the question one more time, it says if I remove ownership fade from golf. So, you know, I think this is like a good question for like NFL showdown too, because some of the metrics are like the same in this instance so what in it to being is asking is like if you come over here and you look at saber score and then you hover it says saber score is our way of quantifying the impact of upside correlation and ownership on the strength of a lineup the higher the saber score the higher the upside potential for dfs tournaments that is like the simplest and easiest definition of saber score if you don't aren't familiar with it already so you know what in it to is asking is like, okay, if I come in here and I look at the sliders, if I remove ownership fade, what is it looking at? And the answer to the question is that, you know, if you come back here to the definition, you remove correlation, you remove ownership. It's still, it's basically quantifying the impact of the upside of the strength of the lineup. So all you do is you just remove those metrics from Sabre score and whatever's left is what is being looked at. So that would be the impact of the upside because just, you know, brief overview. Interesting. I don't see ranges of outcomes here. All right. I'll, I'll find out why the ranges aren't showing up there. Maybe they were only showing up for the main main tournament. Um, okay. We, okay. Here they are. Not sure what the lag is there, but you know, you can see like the range of outcomes for any and any golfer if you click on their name. And you know, those ranges of outcomes come directly from the sim data. So, you know, we are randomly sampling the sims when we build your lineups. The lineups are not being built on average projections. So I think it's important to understand that, you know, when you're running lineups that the sims are randomly being sampled and in some sims golfers score more some sims golfers score less so you know saber sim still has to take into account their range of outcomes and then grade the strength of that for 
you know, the, the tournaments that, that you're playing. So think about it like that. Let me know if you have any follow-up in it's a bean kit. All right. Moving on to our next question here. Uh, you know, we were having some fun in the, in the office hours channel prior to this. We didn't have too many questions. I uh, posted a joke and I, I got some, uh, joke responses in, in regards to that. So I'm just going to address them really quickly. So Aaron said, you know, why are my lineups not winning the Millie maker? The answer is, you know, you're not playing the Millie maker. Like, what are you doing? Get in there. So <laughs> just kidding. You know, only play it if it's, if it's within your bankroll, but uh, moving on to the next question, my man, Jordan Chan, helping me out, getting me some good questions to talk about on the stream. Thank you, Jordan. And this one says, Hey, Andrew, with a big NBA slate yesterday and another one coming up tomorrow, I would love to hear about how you're handling late swap this season as news breaks throughout the slate. Are you late swapping before the start of every game? How are you deciding when to late swap? If not, are you changing anything with your settings and exposures as you late swap throughout the slate? Okay, great question, Jordan. Appreciate it, my man. So, you know, we're going to go back to NBA. And, you know, last night, was like the first big slate and you know kind of had to like get back in like the late swap groove and just kind of like remember like what we're what we're really looking for throughout the night with late swap so you know i know we've talked about it a couple times but uh you know the basketball monster news dashboard is like an awesome resource to see uh injuries and like any and all changes to to nba lineups they do a really good job of summarizing that i would i heavily recommend you know checking that out throughout the night periodically seeing how uh if there's any news that is worthy of being watched or has broke that you need to take into account and and you know the sims are taking the, the that news into account but it just kind of gives you like an insight into like why things are changing so i think that's like a really good resource i'll say something that i did is you know listening to max and jordan on their stream yesterday if you didn't catch it it was a great listen it's up on all of our podcast platforms and youtube check it out but you know max said like oh you know something i uh a lot of people do is set a rule that you don't want uh more than three players on one team so you say like you know no more than three on any team and you would just you know save that and it'll make sure that no more than three is used. I had a couple other rules in there that I don't have showing right now. Um, but I'll, I'll say that, you know, as the night went on and as like the, the amount of games remaining got smaller. So I think, you know, if we go back to, to yesterday, let's hover back really quickly. And it was a, it was a 12 game slate. And you had like two games at the 7 p.m. Eastern window, followed by one, two, three, four, five games, and then two at uh, eight Eastern, one at nine Eastern, and then two at 10 Eastern. So what I'll say is like, I think it's a good idea. This is something I did. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested to hear like, what other people do or if anyone has any pushback, but I loosened like my restrictions or the things that I had set as the night went on. So I think I had like three rule rules total. Um, I turned them off after, after this uh, four thirty window, my time on the West coast. So, you know, once like seven out of the 12 games had, had gone, I, 
turned off like my stacking rule. And mostly because at that point, over half the games have already started. You know, I'm really just trying to swap to like the best plays as far as like late breaking news. I'm I'm not so much caring about um whether or not like they're on the same team. I think like once you get over halfway through like a slate of like players being locked, you're less likely to get those like mega game stacks anyways, unless it's like Portland from last year where just like a bunch of really uh, low salary players were, were playing. I think those are like specific instances with like that we saw with Portland and with OKC last year. And, you know, those are like slate context things that you have to know like ahead of time to account for. But I think it's like totally okay to loosen your restrictions as you late swap throughout the night. That way you don't limit yourself from getting those huge value plays that do open up in the later windows. I don't, I don't want to get less of somebody because I have a rule restricting them from coming in my lineup when they're just in a smash spot because somebody gets ruled out in the late game and you know, not enough people are going to take advantage of it. So just loosening those restrictions, allowing the builder to do what it does best and get you those high upside plays that are going to be lower owned and just have a great value. I think that's like something that you should highly consider working into your process. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to say like, I'm going to do it the the same exact way every time I'm going to try and refine it and, and see if I can uh, continue to fine tune it. I encourage you to do the same, but I think that's something that's definitely worth noting throughout the night. I will say, you know, another thing I did was that I was doing poorly on DraftKings and good on FanDuel. So on, on FanDuel, what I did was for like my late swap, what I did was I actually, I was like playing the large field stuff. So if this was FanDuel, I actually came in here and for the, um, for like the six, uh, this Denver game, I lowered my sliders like one take each and I was still doing good on FanDuel by the time these last two games started. So I, I lowered my sliders like a tick further just because that, you know, it just goes back to like what we we're just talking about. Like you, as the night goes on, you just want to get like the best plays that open up from a value perspective. So I don't want to worry as much about ownership fade because I don't want to get off of some of those huge values. I want to get as much of them as I can. I am not as worried about correlation as well, especially when like my lineups are already doing good. I think it's it's good to like uh it's a it's a definitely a strategy to lower your slider settings. And another thing I did on DraftKings where I was doing poorly is that I um I ended up bumping up my uh sliders like a tick. So I think it's like, you know, I'm not saying this is like a uh, solved strategy or like something like for sure that is proven to work. I don't I don't think it's that at all, but you know just like theoretically, if I'm doing poorly, I probably want to get away from the field a little more, be a little more diverse and try and get to some of those players and those points that people aren't getting to as much. And then when I'm doing well, I don't need to get as different and I can pack in some of those more projected points and try and maintain my positions in my standing. So I think like that's something to look at, you know, keep an eye on the contests 
see where you're at, see how you're doing, and then you can make any slider adjustments that you see fit based on how you're doing. If you're not sure, leave them alone and then just keep keep rolling. Um, I'll say that, you know, as far as, as the, the part of the question that says, you know, uh, let's see, handle late breaking news. Okay, we talked about that. How are you deciding when to swap if not? I think that's a good question, and that's something that I haven't figured out for myself. I think that, you know, late swapping throughout the night can be, like, really tedious. To be honest, the honest answer is that I, I, I partially I love it, and I just, like, I just can't get enough of the new sims that run. I just want to take advantage of, like, every sim edge I can, and I, you know, stay, like, up to date and i'm always kind of watching like i pretty much pretty much move in 30 minute increments uh the uh you know it's like it's like uh 520 my time and i'm like okay you know can't can't go anywhere for the next 10 minutes and then uh you know 530 hits it's like 531 all right you know we got like 20 minutes to go do this or that i know that can be like really tedious for for a lot of people but like that's kind of part of the nba grind and and that's like something that i enjoy about it um so me, I'm I'm late swapping at at every lock, and what I'm doing is uh, managing my my exposures in app to make sure I'm just getting to some of the guys like I know I want that haven't really been affected by any sims. So I think like that's something that's definitely worth talking about. So you know if uh, your your you, joke it starts at six, you know one of the later games, and pre lock you're getting like I don't know sixty percent of him maybe. And then you run a late swap and it drops to like 15%. And it's like, hold on, you know, go and check your news dashboards and see if anything changed that really like warrants that. Did like a huge value at, at the center position open up or like why or, or you know, like what, what would cause that? Try and connect the dots yourself. And then if that's like you can't figure it out, you know, don't take that late swap. Come in here, set a min ownership that like you're comfortable with and then rerun a late swap. So I think like it's pretty important to give the builder some guardrails as far as your exposures that you really care about before late swapping. I know that was one of the questions, you know, are you changing anything with your settings and exposures as you late swap throughout the slate? So I will say like, you know, you got to give the builder some guardrails to get what you're looking for, because if you don't, it's not going to know. And especially if you're using late swap consistently, it's even more important to tell the builder those things. I would advise you not to be too opinionated, really just pick like the couple of players or couple of spots that you think make like the highest value impact. And the builder is really good. It's going to do the best things around that. So that's what I would think about when late swapping, uh, you know, so I'm open to hearing how other people use late swap. I'm always trying to learn myself, but, uh, as, as far as like right now, this point in the season, that's how I'm thinking about it. That's how I'm using it. So, uh, great question there, Jordan. Okay. Uh, I think we have a couple, couple follow-ups here to, to M this NBA conversation. I'm going to get back to some of these questions in the discord. The next one is from, Terrell, so I'll and, and Tim, I'll, I'll get back to both of you guys on that for sure. But gonna hit this question here from Topper: Are there any good rules to put into place for NBA DFS? Okay, Topper. So what I'll say is that you know, as of like 
uh, yesterday, you know, I didn't have I didn't have that many good ones, like or ones I always suggest. But listening to Jordan and Max chat yesterday and hearing uh, Max talk with with his you know many years experience playing DFS, you know, he he dropped some some uh, nuggets, I'll say, in in the stream, and you know that's kind of what he comes on for. So we have this stream yesterday: how to beat daily fantasy basketball like an NBA DFS pro. It was an almost two-hour stream. I mean, the questions just kept rolling in. ton of good information in this. I, I would say, you know, I'd highly recommend watching this video. Already has a lot of views. Um, you know, they just went back and forth. Uh, Max talked about a lot of good, like, kind of baseline kind of guardrail rules that will not be too specific and that you can probably take two most slates with you. So, so I would check that out. You know, one of them that I talked about was using no more than three players from a team, mostly on like large slates. And, and, you know, that goes back, like the only nuance there is like where there's a team, like we just talked about with Portland and OKC last year, but that was like later in the season where so many of their players are low salary players playing a lot of their games, like for the first time. And there's just like, a huge edge by, by playing a lot of them. So, you know, there's like a case to be made where it's okay to play more than three players from a team at times. I think it's very like slate specific, but, but as like a general rule, that seems like a, like a, like a fair guardrail rule uh, to start with. So I would, I would listen to the stream, um, you know, take from it what you will. I, I, that's one thing that I took from it. So I think that's like a rule that's like pretty safe to use out of the gate. Okay, question from Uncrabby Cabby. Hey, Andrew, how are you determining if a player is under or over-owned or efficiently owned versus the field? Okay, so um, Uncrabby, Uncrabby Cabby, very good question. What I like to do is um, – something that I talked about the other day, like when I walked through my MBA process, I know you're around in these streams a lot. So um, if you missed it, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer your question, but you know, we did like a really kind of in-depth segment on this. I, I basically walked through like 90% of my MBA process. So if you come over here, walking through an MBA process, you know, for anyone who's like, uh, you know, doesn't want to watch a whole video, these are all timestamped. You can go into the description and click on the section where it says like walking through MBA process and only start starting uh, watch those segments. I think there was two of them, but you know, getting back to your question, I, I I would say like run a test build and see how the entire pool ownerships are coming in compared to the ownership shown in the app. So like you know, let's say for tonight, we'll just do like a quick one. And, um, what I'll do is I'll come in here. I'll make two quick adjustments, just really, really small, uh, impact adjustments. That way I can see the lineups and I'll come in here and I'll build 1500 lineups. I'll open my number of lineups up to the entire pool here, run a build. And what I want to do is sort basically by leverage or ownership. So let's let this build, let, let this finish and players are going to load. Okay, great. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I'm just going to remove some columns. That way I can see this pool owners, uh, pool exposure. 
So the two things that I'll usually do is one, check owner, sort by ownership, because I want to see if like the highest owned players are worth basically what their ownership is. Like, are they paying it off in a 1500 lineup pool sample? And, you know, for players like Maxi and Patrick Beverly, according to this randomly sampled group of Sims, they are worth like this ownership. Tobias Harris is like coming in a, a little under his ownership. That's like something I would note. So one, I, I like to check like the highest owned players. And then two, I like to just sort by leverage and see who is coming up here. So really interesting that like we're getting so much Matt Ryan. I don't know um, how like legitimate that that is. I know it's a two game slate. So, you know, it could be because we have a six ownership fade and right now he's projected for no ownership because I lowered my uh, projected points. So on like a two game slate, I'll allow more players into my player pool. I know on the stream with Max and Jordan, what Max talked about was that he likes to increase his projection, min projection to 18 on like large slates. I think that's like totally worth doing just because there's more players available. And then, you know, inversely on a two game slate, you might want to lower it to allow for some of these lower owned players to get into your lineup. I'd be like a little careful with someone like Matt Ryan, you know, just lowly projected. This is probably like way too much exposure for me. I would probably crank this down like maybe half of this or maybe more. I'm not sure if I were like building lineups, but you know, just like as like a test build, you know, okay, you know, I'm going to like kind of note these guys and, and see like who's coming up. And then conversely, I'm going to, um inversely sort by leverage see like who is a really bad play according to this uh test build that we're running and so you know i'll kind of note these guys so like this is kind of how i'm telling or how what i'm doing to analyze if players are going to be like over owned or under owned and then i'm like weighing that intuitively to see you know do i do i like agree with this am i okay with this um do i want to accept this much plus or minus leverage. So those are things that I, I like to think about. Highly recommend the segment from the other day. Um, really, really in-depth like walkthrough prior to, to NBA kicking off. But um, just some things I'm thinking about there. Uh, John, any question? Those COVID games like that were wild. Yeah, they 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 were really crazy. Opened up huge values on the slate. Uh, very, uh, I don't even want to say slate specific, but maybe just like time of the world specific. I don't think we're really ever going to see see games like that uh ho hopefully we don't so crazy times 100 all right question here from manny hi andrew for nba what do you think is a good filter to use for a small slate like tonight's or a huge one like the one tomorrow okay so manny feel like we just talked about it but happy to go over it one more time so you know i i would i would listen to uh I mean, I like to listen to people that I consider like better than me. So like, you know, when Max says, you know, for the most part, I mean, our in-app filter is, is good. Like our in-app filter is set to, I believe it's set to, to 15 by default or 13. This one I adjusted. So, so on the two gamer the other day, what I did was I just came in here. I started by projection and I kind of just scrolled down and what I just, did was like i basically scrolled down to the point where i felt like 
if I got this bottom player in my lineup, you know, am I okay with him? And I don't remember exactly how I came to that decision two nights ago, but what I settled on was a seven point projection. It, it's, it's a little low, but you know, I was going for like a more risky, more ownership approach and trying to get like one or uh, somebody like really low who can make my lineup unique. Um, you know, do I, do I recommend that to everybody? No, I would say it's definitely okay to open up your filter, like lower and include some more of these players, especially if you think like they have the upside to get there. I know that's like a little like subjective, but that's the way I go about it. And then on like a large slate, uh, I believe if, if I'm correct, this is either 13 or 15, but I know Max said, you know, he likes to increase it even to like 18. He thinks that, you know, he doesn't need some of those players in that like 13 to uh, 17 range and that he can get enough good lineups using a min projection filter of 18. So, you know, a couple recommendations for you there. I would say, you know, come in here and play with the filter um, and like look at the lineups that, that, um, come up when you lower it. So, you know, if you want to like lower it to seven, run some lineups, see what they're looking like. Just start, you know, scrolling through these lineups and say, you know, am I, am I comfortable that when I open my app, I'm going to see a lineup with Javon Carter or, or Matt Ryan or, or both in this instance. And like, if the answer is no, then raise your min projection filter. If the answer is yes, then, you know, leave it and, 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 move on to the next step of your process. So I think it's like totally fair to leave it where it's set to. I think it's also okay to raise it or decrease it based on like the size of the slate. So a couple of recommendations for you there. Let me know if you have any more questions. Going to jump back to Discord and hit this question that we stopped at. So this one came from Terrell and it says, can you explain the easiest way to maintain your exposures you have set while late swapping and still getting those exposures you preset. Yes, totally can do that. So let's go back because um, I don't have any entries for this. So I would say we're, we're just going to pull up yesterday's slate and talk a little bit about that. So what, what I would suggest is that you always come in here before you're going to late swap. Look at whatever games are remaining or actually even before that. You know, let's say like you're building pre-lock, right? And we're just going to stick with Jokic. Like, just say like, you know, you really like him and you're getting as much of him as you want, even though you're already getting like 50% of him, we'll say, for the sake of the thing. You're like, cool, I don't have to do anything. Like, still set this to whatever number you want and do it for as many players as you need to. And I would say, you know, be a little flexible with the numbers because – as the number of players in the player pool decreases, it's going to be harder for the builder to always meet these exposures. So if you're late swapping and running into issues, I would like, I would accept being comfortable moving these min exposures plus or minus like 10%. Like if you run a build and you set this to 40 and the builder's like, Hey, I can only find 30 good line, 30% of lineups that have Jokic that meet the salary and positional restrictions at this point in the slate. I think you got to be like, okay with that. At least, you know, you told the builder like what you wanted and it tried to give it to you. And it said, Hey, you know, due to um, the context of the slate at this point, 
the builder can only get in 30%. I think it's like, I don't, I wouldn't get tied to that number. I would just say, you know, like, okay, you know, I told the builder it tried, it gave me as much jokage as it could barring like the other restrictions. And you, you should know that like, instead of forcing him in and then forcing in like more Matt Ryan's and more Javon Carter's it's giving you good lineups with him. And then the lineups where like the builder didn't think it would be a good lineup with him. You're not getting those lineups. Instead you're getting a higher EV lineup that doesn't have him. So I think like you got to be a little accepting and be a little flexible with late swap, but this is how I would handle it myself. And you know, if you have like, any rule set, like we kind of talked about earlier, if you're having trouble late swapping later in the slate, I would start to disable your rules. Like if you have a lot of rules for like, don't use two players above 8,000 in the same lineup, if they're on the same team or um, some of those like other like kind of specific rules, it's, it's the, the, if you run into issues, just start decreasing stuff little by little be more open to your exposures being flexible and that should lead to less headache. And you should know that the lineups that the builder is giving you, it's giving you for a reason because those are the highest EV lineups at this point in the slate. So think about it like that. I'm going to hit this next question from Tim. I, I actually think this is the same exact question. So, so Tim said, to add to Jordan's question, can you go over how to control exposures in the late swap build? Thanks. Okay, Tim. You know, I didn't realize that Guren Terrell's question was a two for one, but, um, you know, if, if either of you have any follow-up, just let me know. And I'm going to move on to this question from John. I'm going to hit this comment here from Ryan. The first slate where NHL and NBA lock at the same time will be fun. <laughs> Ryan, if you're playing both, good luck to you, my friend. Uh, much bolder than I am. I am only playing NFL showdown tonight, so... Uh, good luck and uh, try and try and do your best to, to manage news the best you can. But all right, moving on to this question from John. And the question says, more specific question here. So I included a screenshot. I used this last week to overstack one of the more popular games of the week. I tried to use a stack rule at first, but realized doing it that way, put this game stack in every lineup. I also wanted to do the other end of the spectrum and only play players from this game only as one-offs. Would I just make another rule that has, if no QB, then say max one secondary, or is there a better way to do this? And then the question, uh, next part of the question says, is there a way to generalize this to only one, only specific teams instead, or do I have to go game by game like I did. Okay. So I'm going to explain the, the rule in the screenshot. So the rule says if at least one primary player is used, then use at least four secondary players. And it says Kyler Murray or Geno Smith as the primary. And then it says secondary players. And then he is adding the position players that he deems like appropriate to play for that game. So, so John is basically trying to say like, if I use Kyler Murray or Geno Smith, then I basically want a game stack of that game. And he did it by using a manual group rule where he just like clicked them in. So what he's saying, you know, is like, do I have to do that for every team 
if if that's the way if that's like the rule i want to build so john the answer to your question is that you can you can do this with an automatic group rule that will save you a ton of time i'm going to show you exactly how to do that right now so what i would do is i would come in let's say for the sake of the example we're going to pick the highest total team or the highest uh total game that uh pops off to me so that'd be this game right here the seattle charger game looks like the total is over 50 here so what you would do is you would come in here, you would set a group automatic rule, and then you would do an if then. So then what you're saying is that what I would do is I would change this to game because we're talking about game stacking. So if at least one, and I would uncheck all positions except quarterback. So if at least one quarterback is used from this game, then, oh man, can I do this? Hmm. Okay, I wonder if I can pick a team here. No. Okay, that's not going to work. Maybe it's a stacking rule then we have to build. Oh, you're saying that if you use it as a stacking rule, then it does it to every team. Wow, this is this is an interesting problem, John. Um, you know what I might have to do is I might have to take this one offline and get back to you tomorrow because you know i see like the problem that you're having it's like man it's just i don't think you can say you could game stack or if if i say like if at least one quarterback from this game then use at least blank secondary players because i could say sec i could create a stack rule from this but I can't, but I, it would only be for the, for the team, I think. Hmm. Okay. So if at least one quarterback from this game, then use at least blank secondary players. You know, John, what I would try is I would try, I would try, I would try it this way. I would say do a group automatic rule and group it by game, go position quarterback, then use at least, we'll say four secondary players. And then we'll say from the same game. And then we'll only allow position players. And then, you know, like I see the players you took, they were like kind of like the, the better projected plays. So I would increase, you know, I would add a stat requirement and put my projection greater than, we'll say like 10, just for the sake of this. And then we're going to just kind of see what comes up here. So I think we could do it this way. This is like the workaround for now. Run it this way, save it. You're going to have 11 rules. Man. No, but then you can't choose the game. Okay, so so John, you know, I'm going to take this one offline and see if I can troubleshoot this off stream. Uh, it's a really interesting problem to solve. I wish that, you know, I could only apply it to certain teams here. If If, you know, if I can't figure it out, I'll put that in as a feature request for the future and use this as an example. So let me let me take this one offline, see if I can come up with a solution for you. But in the meantime, you might have to do it the way you're doing by choosing the players or the games and then doing those teams manually. So appreciate the question, making me think a little bit on stream here. Happy to uh, try and solve these problems with you guys as you know the more complex problems come about and uh, you know, 
uh, take those problems back to the team if we can't solve them and see how we can work them into the app to help you guys in the future. But that being said, going to move on here to this next question from Couch in Discord. And uh, John John said, uh, yeah, no worries. It was an interesting predicament I encountered. Very interesting and uh, interesting problem to try and solve. So this question from Couch says, is there a workaround for DraftKings builds to view lineups by percentiles? If you don't edit the projections, you can't see the lineups. But if you edit the projections, you can't use percentile view. Okay. So let's try this out. So I'm going to... X these changes so we could do it the way Couch is saying. So if, if I run builds just like this, it, it says if you don't edit the projections, you can't see the lineups. But if you but if you edit the projections, you can't use percentile view. So I'm not sure exactly what you mean by percentile view, but let's check. So Couch, if you are here. And if you could tell me what you mean by percentile view, I would really appreciate that because, you know, what I'm thinking is like, maybe you're saying you're like adding in the percentiles as columns here, but any, any follow-up is appreciated. So like, if you guys didn't know, you know, all of the columns that are in the home screen are available in this post build screen we just default to so many and then you can add them and then you can see like all the percentiles, etc. So, um, not sure what couch is talking about, but, um, you know, if I were to like make some changes so we could see the lineups. Okay. Boom. We have this here. And, you know, these are the lineup sorting methods for the moment. You know, if you're, if your question is related to like lineup percentile sorting, that's something that the team is still working on finalizing behind the scenes. So I'm not sure exactly what you are referring to here, but you know, you're, you're sending in like messages here and I'm not able to kind of figure it out. So, okay. You're saying if I go here, and then I can click, huh, interesting. Okay, to, to, oh, so what I did was, okay, so apparently if you use this percentile, what you can do is you can change everybody's percentile to the 95th percentile projection that is shown. I'm, I'm assuming this is going to match. So if I look at CD Lamb, yep, 37.4, projection 37.4. So it converted all of their projections to their 95th percentile and then is now treating that as their projection and sorting by Sabre score. Really interesting. So then what you're saying is that if I undo this and go back to average and then if I am in this screen, it will not show that. And then once I adjust projections, that it gets grayed out. Okay, really interesting uh, couch. I, I actually wasn't aware of this. It sounds like a bug that like when you edit it, it shouldn't go away. Maybe um, I can look into like why this is happening. 
So let me take this one back to the team as well. I'll follow up on this question as well as the rule question from John and address those at the beginning of tomorrow's stream. And uh, we will go from there. So appreciate like the, the hard, hard hitting questions. Uh, happy to look into these things further for you guys offline. So I'll get back to both of you and uh, we will go from there. So little follow up. Uh, you have to undo your initial changes, I guess. Yes. So you have to like, it's, it's the way, the way I see it right now is that once you adjust the projections, you're basically making uh, what, so by editing the projections, you're like disabling this feature because now what the builder is seeing isn't matching. So you can either use it like unedited only, but I don't know if that that's like the way we want it to be. So I'll bring it up to the team and we'll see if, if that's like the only way that can be used or if we can do it a different way. But um, appreciate the question. I will find out the answer to both of those. I appreciate every, like, you know, questions were really light coming into the stream. I was a little nervous that it would be a short one, but you guys did an awesome job of filling up the stream with questions. Uh, I will actually not be here tomorrow. Uh, Jordan will be doing a office hours for you. So I will get the answers to these questions and I will pass those along to Jordan to answer at the beginning of tomorrow's stream. And, um, you know, comment here from John before we head out says it would be cool to edit projections and then have it use your projections to see the 90, the new 95th percent. So, you know, I think like that feature that you're talking about is what is coming with the future update of being able to sort by lineup percentiles that it won't just take their 95th percentile and then use that as their projection. It'll just, it, that's like more like a, on a player level, the 95th percentile lineup sorting is going to grade the lineup as a whole by like the lineups 95th percentile outcome, which is like a little different and, and a little more, um, I, I would just say like better overall, but, um, you know, those are the things that are like coming down the line. So I'll, I'll find out the answer to those two questions guys, and I'll get back to you, but appreciate everybody tuning in, tune back in tomorrow to see Jordan posting office hours. I will be back on Monday and until then, good luck in all of your contests. The team is always around in support in discord, ready to help out and answer any questions that you guys have. If you're new to Saber Sim, there's a link below to a seven day, no strings attached free trial. I recommend trying this out. And until then I will see you everybody.